welcome to the STR Data Lab. Well, greetings and salutations, AirDNA data nerds. It is I, Mariah Kamei, co-host of the STR Data Lab, brought to you by AirDNA, of course. I am so excited for you to take a listen to our latest podcast. I sat down with Brandy Canalay from Romy, R-O-A-M-I, Romy, formerly known as Sextant. Um, she is kind of a badass, you guys. I'm going to tell you. She is the chief operating officer at Romy. She hit the Forbes 30 under 30 list not so long ago. And truly, she is the co-host. She is the woman behind Good Morning Hospitality, of course, also with Will Slickers. Um, shout out to Will, per the usual. Brandy and I sat down and literally covered pretty much everything. We talked about what it was like when she was super young, right out of college, just getting started in this industry. Um, we talked about uh, you know, how that impacted her sort of perception of her identity at a young age. Oh my gosh, we cover what's happening in the industry today. We talk about beef with Airbnb or not so much. Lots was covered. This woman has got a pulse on what's happening in the industry, y'all. I always enjoy listening to her on Good Morning Hospitality, and I think you will enjoy listening to her talk to me and get personal. All right, on to the show. Oh my goodness. I just, I, you and I just said, let's do this. Let's do it. Hello, you. Who are you? Your uh, people are wondering. Well, it's Brandy, and I forgot to ask you how to say your last name. Canally? Did I say it right? Canally. Very close. I, no, I no, I failed that test. I failed. Brandy, I am so sorry. But can I tell you how excited I am to talk to you? This amazing woman. You are, you're firstly, you're in the C-suite, my fabulous person. COO of Romy, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk all about Romy. What is what is this? Thirty under thirty Forbes girl. What? And also co-host Good Morning Hospitality with our lovely friend Will Slickers, amazing person. But I mean, you. I mean, I looked at your resume. I stalked you. I stalked you a little bit. Oh, good, good. <laughs> That's what you wanted to hear, right? That you have a stalker. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? If the stalker is you, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> well, I mean, and I, the nice thing about my stalking is I can be like, well, but it was research. It was, I was researching exactly. the podcast. Exactly. But you have done a lot in your life. And I am, again, just so excited to hear more about it. I want to start where I always start, make everyone start, which is what the hell possessed you to get into this business? Yeah. How? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think like most people in this industry, it was not intentional. I've heard that a lot, like, you know, throughout, like, regardless of when people have started, whether it was decades ago or in the last, you know, couple of years, it just kind of happened. Yeah. And yeah, so I went to um, undergrad and grad school at Northeastern in Boston. And my grad school program was just one year. And one year goes by like really fast. And so yeah. I was graduating and I had not secured a job. <laughs> and so, you know, you need a job. And uh, at the supposedly. time, my supposedly, supposedly at the time, my uh, cousin Jesse's boyfriend, uh, Andreas, was, you know, 
he had bought a couple properties. He was managing a couple. And, uh, you know, she was like, he just needs some help. And I talked to Andreas and I'm like, this is great. You know, I'll come work in Miami. And he said I can apply for other jobs. And it felt like, okay, now I don't have to just take the first job that comes along. I can like really you know, mm-hmm. take my time, earn some money, spend some time in Miami. Being 23 in Miami is like pretty fun. So um, I, I, I've been, I did an Art Basel stint a couple times. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that's my plan was just to do a year and, you know, have a year of something on my resume. And then I really wanted to work for Airbnb. I did my thesis on Airbnb. I was like Ooh. really obsessed with the company. And so it's funny how that actually has turned out. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, yeah, we just we started working and then I just never left. And you get wow. so involved in the business and you know, it's, I think that that's the thing is like, there was never like a conscious choice, really. It's it just kind of, you keep evolving with the business and that's how I'm still here. And I mean, seven years has really like flown by, like wow. sometimes it's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Seven years. I think there's so much, so much goodness there. I, one of the things that I think is very interesting, right, is you're right. A lot of people are like, well, I just kind of fell into this business, but I think that you're sort of discounting this concept of like there was an intention, right? Like there was like a sort of a direction you wanted to go. But then I do feel like sort of I I like to say the universe provides like something pulls you, right? So you sort of point yourself in the right direction and then it's just like, nope, you're going this way. And when you have that, you're onto something, you know, like it's because it kind Absolutely. of is seamless. It's seamless. And so and you are Am I correct in saying that your employee basically number one, unless Andreas is counting himself? Is I was is- employee number two. Um, his friend Dorian from high school came down a couple of months before I did. I had actually picked him up from the airport. I came down to like <laughs> do a shadowing, and um, so I guess technically my contract was signed first, but Dorian started working uh-huh. first, and he and so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I was the second employee, and you know I guess to your point, we're like you know maybe you don't intend on the path, but then you kind of get pulled in that direction. And, you know, that's, that's absolutely what happened because after, you know, there was a point and I've been honest about this before. Like there was a bit of like an ego, like bruised ego in some of the ways, like I went to like a good business school. My friends were all at, you know, you know, the big four, they're working for big firms and there's a lot of prestige that goes along with that. And I had tied a lot of, I guess my ego or my self-worth or identity at the time with status. And so like when they're like, oh, what's Sexton? Like you're working for like an Airbnb. And I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's at the time I didn't have like the polish to say what it was really, but you know, and then we were hustling, you know? And so to talk to your friends who are, you know, doing something seemingly illustrious and you're like, yeah, I uh, was hauling trash out of a dumpster and got maggots all over me. Like that doesn't really sound great. But then there was a point where I started to realize like I was doing, I mean, the three of us for a while, we slowly added people. And so because we were just figuring it out, like I was doing, I did all of our accounting for three and a half years. I did so many parts of the business because someone had to do it. And that was just invaluable experience. And 
as we started to grow, then I became more protective and possessive over the company, you know, because we're like, I can see like what I have built. And that is something that I wouldn't have gotten if I went to McKinsey or something like that, you know? Oh my gosh, 100%. Well, I think the emphasis for me in that was this like seemingly prestigious job, right? So there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that looks good on paper. And somebody gave me some great career advice a couple of years ago where they're like, look, like, don't get enamored with the title. Don't get enamored with the company, like what, what the company is, right? Like, yeah, sure, we all should go work for Apple, Facebook, whatever. I mean, maybe not today, right? But, you know, a couple of yeah. years ago, we were all doing that. But, you know, focus on what's the value that you can bring to them and what's the value that you're going to get out of it, right? And like, think more about, do you want to be an individual contributor? Do you want to be part of a team? What are your life goals? What are your end goals? And so, yeah, I mean, like the the ability to work at a, at a startup and be able to, you know, own so many different parts of that one, very brave too, um, does allow you to have so much more of a well-rounded experience. And again, jokes on jokes on whomever, because I guess jokes yeah. on your old identity, because 30 under exactly. 30, baby, you need it anyway. <laughs> I know. It's still so like, I had like, if I'm being honest, I felt really, I was a little uncomfortable with winning that because it wasn't like, I think that those lists make it seem like it was one individual. And so Iskander, who's our CFO, also we won it together. But I mean, Andreas, like it's his company. He built it. All the people that are with it helped us get there. So I try to view it and like tell other people like that was like a an award for our whole company. It was recognition that we had achieved something, some level of importance or success at the time. But yeah, and it also it felt it, I'd be lying if it didn't if it didn't provide some validation to my life choices. <laughs> and you know, yeah. like and when you're I think the you know, joining a company that wasn't really a company at the time in your 20s, like that's like the prime time to do that. You know, like if I, I always was thinking like the worst case scenario, if this just all blows up, like I will be able to get another job and all of this experience will help me get another job. So it didn't, it felt like it was okay to fail because I didn't have, you know, a mortgage and a family. So it definitely is, you know, I think easier to take those chances when you're 23. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, I think that would definitely be my advice to my 23 year old self is I, but, and I, I do see kids doing it today too. And I, I get it. You've got in theory school debt, you've got, you know, sort of an anticipation and expectation that like, you're going to get out of college and kind of figure it out and you're going to get on a straight and narrow path and it's just going to be up and up all the way. Right. But like the expectation that you put on yourself and maybe some fear that you have of this failure can really hinder a time in your life where you absolutely should be taking risks, right? Like it is exactly. the safest time to take risks in your 20s. I mean, in some ways you're very bubble wrapped, right? <laughs> and like yeah. also you have time to, you know, have a fallback plan where, yeah, as like when you're 40, hello, that's me. And you do have mortgages, maybe multiple mortgages and also multiple children, which is something I've decided to do with my life. Um, you're <laughs> like, oh, okay. There's a lot of people relying on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, 
you know, what's interesting about the, like the people relying on you part is that now, like I don't have any children, but when I'm making the, like we've grown so much and we have a lot of employees. And so there are times like when I'm, we're making some decisions and you're like, oh my God, like all these families depend on the decisions that I make every day. And so yeah. there's like, there comes a different kind of pressure when you, you know, grow like that. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yes. You have multiple children, just different types of children. Um, or multiple different sort of dependents. Well, how do you, I would love to know if you don't mind me asking, like, how do you work through that? Because again, that's a moment to have some fear and maybe to sort of like have that cloud your judgment about what's right for the company and how you guys can grow. How do you work through some of those things? Yeah, I try not to get too wrapped up in it. You know, yeah. because if you spire like you're to your like you'll it'll absolutely cloud your judgment. And I think the other thing is that our leadership team, which is not just um, the you know like the C level, but also our directors and heads, were a pretty close knit team. And we um, you know run all of our ideas by each other. We challenge each other. So there are times when maybe one person thinks that it's a decision is too risky or not risky enough. Like like someone you're gonna have there's. The voices around me, I think, are very intelligent. I love, we work with very smart people. And so if, you know, there's people you can work through those difficult decisions with. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. Well, and I think that's so true. Like, right, like you don't have to, I mean, I'm sure there's some self-talk involved in it, but it's more about like who's in what I like to call your kitchen cabinet, right? Which I didn't make up, somebody else did. But it's this idea of like, you know, like there's a cabinet in, you know, government, but this is your kitchen cabinet, like people that you can just be like, hey, I have people I trust that can offer me counter perspectives and I can bring them into um, my outlook on things. And so you can sort of formulate a well-rounded, hopefully very rational decision-making yeah, exactly. in your team. I love that. That's not, well, hey, the culture of Romy sounds great. I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you built it, I think. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, for folks who don't know, which is nearly no one, because you guys did a great job with your marketing. You know, I care about marketing as the VP of marketing. Yes. Did a great job with your announcement. But Romy has recently rebranded and also gotten a little bit of funding. So sounds like, yeah, obviously all this hard work is paying off. What's shaking with Romy? Where should we start? You tell me. Well, I think it's it's kind of funny because we were sitting on the brand for a while, um, like a year. And it was kind of like timing, trying to figure out we had um, a PMS migration that was happening. We were wrapping up our fundraise. Like you kind of want to tie it all together. And, you know, for obvious reasons, Sexton was not a good name for the long term. <laughs> um, it, was very, it was a very sexy name. <laughs> very sexy. And that's my no more sexy Sexton. And so, yeah, it was really, really fun. We um, this great branding agency, Levy Branding. They're a Miami company. They just did such great work with some other uh, local Miami brands and they knocked it out of the park. We did basically like some kind of like brainstorming sessions. They like interviewed us about, you know, what we want the future of the company to look like, like what the person, we had an opportunity to change our personality, which is great. And they just wow. presented us with this brand that was so incredible. And uh, one of my favorite things is our mascot, Romeo. He's a little fox. Um, and there's a little Juliet fox too. And I just like, I'm obsessed. I have, you know, a lot of ideas of what we can do with them in the future. And it's just fun because, you know, one of the things when we were rolling out the rebrand, it was a project that I was responsible for. And I 
had this whole list of things that I was like, we have to get this done. And then the reality set in and I was like, there are a couple things that we have to get done and the rest will happen over time. (laughs) So like a lot of the physical stuff, you know, that was kind of a big thing. Like there's still sextant. We, we put our logo on everything. So I'm just like a little bit at a time, you know, we'll just start replacing everything, but we got the website out and the reception has just been really great. I'm really proud of it. And I think that now our team members are more like it's everyone always hesitated when they're like sexton, like <laughs> kind of like under their breath a little bit. So it feels I think people, our team is more proud. And we even noticed that in our reviews, like people are now saying, oh, this Romy was great, you know, or my stay at Romy was great. So even in a, like a month and a half, we're seeing like really positive results. I love this. Well, yeah, talk to me. I, well, now I'm just want to nerd out a little bit on the marketing. Sure. Let's talk about the naming process. So how did you go through that? Yeah. Because, you know, I love this. Like, again, I stalked you. So this, like, we were meant to roam, right? And to mm-hmm. your point around like Romeo. And so like, I'm sure anyways, that was a fun process to come up with a new name. Yeah. So the naming process is really interesting. We were like, it wanted to be a five letter domain name. We had to, you know, it has the unsexy stuff is that like you can't, there has to be like certain patent trademark considerations. Is the domain available for sale? Are the socials available? We didn't want to have like a stay Romy kind of thing or, you know, if we're going to spend the money, we might as well, you know, spend the money and do it right. Um, So we, and obviously had to have some sort of like travel connotation. So we were presented with a couple different options and we actually surveyed, I think it might have, it was a couple hundred people. It was like friends and family who are our demographic, you know, people who like to travel, group travel, you know, young professionals, families, that whole thing. And then we also did a whole survey of past guests. I think we got maybe 50 to 60 past guests that were, you know, willing to participate. And it was the name that won. And there was another name that was really close and it was Arrive (laughs) um, with uh, a Y. Um, But I, you know, we also didn't want to be one of those companies that's like trying too hard to like substitute other letters with letters. You know what I mean? Um, So Romy just kind of, it, it really, once we saw it and then we saw the branding that they put with it, we were like, that is just so the winner, you know? Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, and I love this idea of you obviously went out and engaged with some outside help. You were like, we, we, we know that we shouldn't just do this alone. We should get an objective. Oh no, (laughs) not at all. Like that's exactly it. Like, you know, Andreas came up with Sextant originally and it was a more like investor real estate focused, like that's kind of what the focus was going to be originally. And if you go out, you, there's plenty of like financial advisory firms called Sextant. It's a navigational tool. Also, um, he thought his father-in-law owned the domain name. So like that was going to be great. Turns out his business partner did. Um, So like there there were reasons why it worked. And I think over time, we did a good job of, you know, kind of developing the brand the best we could with like literally no marketing experience. And so it was like, if we're going to make this change, if this is get one shot to do this, we're not going to do it ourselves. Like we just need someone who is creative, talented, and will tell us when we're kind of being wrong. And they just did a great job with that. So that's like definitely my advice. It's not cheap. So I do recognize that that is like a luxury of maybe a bigger company. But it is if you're going, if you have to rebrand a bigger company, 
it's definitely worth spending the money to do it properly because you really get one shot to do it, you know? That's such a good point. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to be like sort of having an identity crisis every couple of years on who you are. Um, Yeah. And I I mean, I do think, yes, you're right. It is not cheap, but there's also sort of tiers, right? And like what I love today, especially about the marketing world, is there's so many freelancers and just wonderful consultants out there doing their own thing. You don't always have to go with the big the big folks, but that's amazing. Well, and also just thank you for not, I mean, I love a why and a name as well, but I do, it. I always, I kind of like laugh at the parents because parents that are always trying to like do it just a little differently. And I'm like, guys, like, okay, we get it. Your kid's special. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They have a instead of an eye. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be able to tell like the kids that were born in like the two thousand, like the 2010s. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> yeah. There's so many whys. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, and I so so this is so, super interesting. So you went to business school, but you did I have a focus in marketing. I want to talk about this thesis that you did on Airbnb. What 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 was your thesis? What were you studying? What were you admiring about them? Yeah. So it was about the the core like focus was changes in consumer behavior. And then my like the next focus was towards the sharing economy. So I did half of my undergrad in Spain. I did a dual degree with Northeastern and a school called ICADE in Madrid. And so you had to choose from there's like a list of like bigger topics and then you kind of drill down from there. And then you needed to have a case study. And at the time, I had just start we had been traveling around Europe a lot during those two years and we were using Airbnbs. And I you know, looking back, like I took this class that was about, I forget what the title was, but it was kind of like new thinking in business and like how to create a circular economy and, you know, realizing that that is like really difficult and probably not going to happen. But there is this kind of like, you know, joyful naivete that you have when you're like 20, 21. (laughs) And so the sharing economy seemed really interesting. And I was like, I've lived this, like this is a product that I use. I can see how this part of this economy could work, you know? And so that was the big focus. And so it, it was just really fun. And then the more I learned about the company, it seemed like the brand I really loved, like the vibes I really liked. And um, it was actually really fun to to study that. But yeah, the central tenant was changes in behavior. And I think it's interesting to look back on that now because something yeah. like if I could go back and rewrite that thesis, I mean, think about how many new people started looking at short-term rentals, vacation rentals during COVID who had never like experienced this industry before. So there have been even greater changes in consumer behavior. It's just not nice. I wouldn't necessarily call Airbnb the sharing economy right now. Um, but, you know, definitely changes in consumer behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Well, it's always so much fun to sort of watch an evolution. I mean, again, like love hearing about your evolution as well as Romy's. And then, yeah, on this like, you know, sort of similar path, right, with with um, Brian Chesky and Airbnb is just to like see that whole evolution of just like, and even for us at AirDNA, right, like our founder, um, Scott Shatford, right, who is like, you know, essentially same thing, right? Like he like was like, oh, I'm not going to be a data analyst anymore and I'm going to go travel around um, Asia and I'm just going to rent out my place and see what happens, right? <laughs> like, and to see where we've grown as a business, it's so much fun to watch um, these folks like sort of evolve 
And yeah, the sharing economy, appreciate, yeah, yeah, different, little different time, different times now. But I mean, major cultural catalyst, I would say, right? Like I think to a certain extent, we got to give them credit where credit's due. And so much has, you know, shifted in the way we travel, the way that we make money, um, things, you know, that are sort of have been completely turned on their head due to the sharing economy, but also due to Airbnb. Um, so yeah, I love this. Like, just kinda, yeah, you know, okay. that's kind of that's a topic that we like find ourselves in a lot on Good Morning Hospitality, and we're like, we're promised we're not like an Airbnb bashing podcast, but because <laughs> they've become so, there's such a dominant player in our industry, and they right. are becoming, they're just ubiquitous now. People aren't like, even if people say at you know, they rented it through Verbo or even the direct website, they'll still call it an Airbnb, you know? And so it's becoming like the Kleenex or the rollerblade, you know, it, that's just happening. And so for better, or for worse, like a lot of the conversation does revolve around them. And it's so funny because I have like, I feel very split personality wise because <laughs> I'm like from an operator side and someone who just like works intimately with that business, I have a lot of feelings and emotions and thoughts. Um, and then as a traveler, it's the first place I go all the time. Like, <laughs> and so it's funny. Right. I have like my traveler hat and then my like work hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I mean, it's so interesting. Like just, yeah, like there's when I, I'm new to the industry. I've only been in it about for almost two years and I guess it's not that new, but it feels new to me. And I just like, I remember going to like Verma International with Scott um, a couple of years ago and just being, my mind was sort of blown because I didn't realize that there was this entire ecosystem, right? And like all of these other sort of spinoff businesses and like things that had happened around Airbnb. And I think what is interesting is some of the folks that I've talked to that I've been really inspired by is like, sort of being able to evolve with the times and being able to sort of find how Airbnb fits into your business strategy or, you know, your objectives. And instead of like, you know, obviously sort of trying to like go against a behemoth, right? That it, or just like things that you can't control that are out of your control in the ecosystem, finding the way to navigate it properly, right? So talking to folks that are like, you know, certainly investing more in like a direct booking sort of platform, right? And finding mm -hmm. their way into, you know, owning a little bit more of control over their listings, but also leveraging Airbnb as a great visibility tool, right? Like, it, you know, it's a place Absolutely. where people search. And so I love this like world where people are finding the right way to navigate um, Airbnb through Airbnb and use it to their advantage. And then I also sure. just find it super fun to watch all the people that like are turning it into like a soap opera. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there is... There's entertainment value for sure. And, you know, that's the thing is that like you are just full stop, never going to outspend any of the OTAs on ad budget. Like there's just right. no, that's just not happening. And so right. we obviously are reinvesting a lot into our website. Of course, we want as many direct bookings as possible. And, you know, bring it back to the rebrand. I mean, the, we took a huge hit in direct bookings. That's just like a natural way. That's why we timed it to be at a certain point in the mm -hmm. year where that wouldn't be as big of an impact on us. So yeah, of course, I don't like every time I see how much money we pay Airbnb, I'm like, I don't, I would love more of that back, please. And so, but you're right. It's like, there's no sense fighting against it. And I think that that time period has kind of ended. I remember a couple of years ago, especially when I was first getting into the industry, like it was very, 
anti Airbnb. I the first conference I ever went to was a HomeAway summit in Orlando, and I think they had just changed the fee structure. And I just watched people like almost storm the stage, and I was like, these are grown adults, and I was like, this is absolutely outrageous behavior, and. It was really mind blowing to me. And then as I got to like, you know, learn more about the industry, you could see there was a real struggle against, you know, these, this is not a new industry. People have been in it for decades, but now there was more spotlight. Now there were more newcomers. So you had the old guard who had been doing incredibly well, just the way things were really struggle up against a rapidly changing ecosystem. And I have a lot of sympathy for that because I, that, understand that it's probably really difficult when you've been crushing it, doing it your way. And I think now everybody, for the most part, has come around to realize, let's use these their ad budgets to maybe get that first time guest. And then afterwards, we get them on the repeats. And you know, there's little tricks you can do in your listing to get people to maybe Google you, and then they'll go to your website instead. And so you just have to kind of it's there's no sense in fighting against the inevitable it's how do, like how do you react to these things that are happening around you be adaptable change things you know just like mess around and find out like if something doesn't work try it again but it's you things are changing so fast that you have to be willing to like kind of pivot and adapt with them I love that. I the, well, firstly, I think that's the soundbite. I'm just going to tell the editors now, like, right? <laughs> Amazing. It, yes, <laughs> it's so hard, but it's like what you have to start doing is like figure out what to fight and what not to fight, right? Like, it's like exactly you know, things you can change, accept the things you can't accept or that you can't change, and like move forward. And yeah, I mean, it does strike me, right? Like, again, like there's there's some ways to draft off of what Airbnb is doing. Um, that can be advantageous to you and sort of working through all of that. Yes. Hell yes. Well, what other, you mentioned these evolutions and these changes. One of the things that I was saying to you privately, but I'm going to say it publicly that I absolutely adore because I do listen to your podcast on a regular basis. Shout out to Good Morning Hospitality is that you are so insightful, so insightful, and you always have something um, really unique to bring to the table. So no, no pressure, Randy, no pressure. But I would love to know <laughs> what other sort of evolutions are you sort of, you know, keeping your eye on tracking in our industry these days? No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> okay. So what? why Why is it insightful thing? Should I say now? Oh, no. Um, I mean, this isn't a hot take, but AI is like, is definitely about to play a huge part in our industry. Um, you can see all these different tools. Uh, we just started using Yada AI as our chatbot on our website. And so that's a tool like that we're immediately using and we're in kind of like the piloting phase of seeing what that really can do. But like that alleviates the pressure on our guest experience team who manages all of the phone calls and messages and things like that. And then there's just, you know, endless articles about how that's going to impact search and travel planning and everything. So that's definitely not a hot take, but I'm curious to see like in the initial days when chat GPT like was launched, everyone was like, it's the end of copywriting and it's coming for our jobs. And it was like very, you know, sensationalized and hyped up. But then there's like very real applications that you can use to make your life better. So, you know, people that are more maybe tech savvy than I am, I'm excited to see what tools they create to make my life easier. (laughs) So that's one thing. And it is 
there's we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on GMH, but there's this narrative around like it's either you know, short-term rentals versus hotels. And it's this, there's always some sort of like pivoting and a, like a war, everything's a war on something or whatever. And I just think that that is very, very narrow-minded. They're going, we're going to keep seeing a blend of the two. Um, and then you're there's, there's enough of this pie to go around. And so I'll just be curious to see what other hotel brands kind of follow Marriott's steps and have their own, you know, apartments by Hilton or whatever it is. Um, and then also I'd be very curious to see what acquisitions happen in the next couple of years as, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately sort of like the big names in our industry have not been doing so hot. So I'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the aftermath of all of that is. And then also I'm just curious to see where people start to travel. So I, you know, like where the new hotspots are, and this is just kind of like anecdotally, like literally everyone goes to Tulum now or, and now that's kind of getting old and I'm like, where's the next place? And so that's not necessarily, um, you know, our industry focus, but it is travel focus. I'm always curious to see like where the next popular basic travel spot is that starts off as something like really fun and unique and then just gets absolutely overrun by influencers. Um, so, and uh, I'll be curious to see what that is next and if I could get there before that happens. <laughs> it's so funny because I think that's so applicable to like real estate too. I feel like in general, mm-hmm. like where I'm like, yeah. why does like, you know, like the place I should have bought, like if I had just thought to go back in my, you know, time machine and, you know, like I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, like when I went to college and I was in New York City and like, you know, when I, I, I'm old, as I've mentioned, so this is like early 2000s and like people are like, you don't go to Brooklyn, like you, Brooklyn, like dangerous. Like our parents were like, you cannot live in Brooklyn. And I'm like, if only I bought a place in Brooklyn, I'd be a gazillionaire now. So yeah, this, you're right. I hadn't thought about it in terms of like, yeah, what's the travel destination? Where's the place? And then, I mean, you and I are both have these marketing backgrounds, right? I think then there's like, honestly, a little bit of like, well, what can you manufacture as the next place that people yeah. should be going? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, because that is a lot of it. A lot of it is hyped up. And I am one of my favorite magazines is Condé Nast Traveler. It's like, I want to be going on those vacations. I I remember looking up during COVID, um, one of the nights at Amangiri, the Amman Resort in Higginson, Utah. And I was like, it's COVID on a Tuesday. How expensive could that be? And it was like $4,000 a night. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Future Brandy gets to go on the Condé Nast Traveler vacation, but present day Brandy might have to scale that back a little bit. (laughs) Ooh, I like this. I like this like future Brandy. Like, ooh, yeah. Pull on this thread a little bit. I love this. So future Brandy. So she's going to be leveraging, I'm guessing, something like chat GPT. But I think you're right. What I find so fascinating about the whole chat GPT AI thing is that, yes, like people got really, you know, I don't know if they lost control of the narrative, but it became so focused on the copywriting, right? Like it became Mm -hmm. so focused. Oh, they're going to, you can write your term paper through chat GPT. You can, you know, like... I mean, and and there are some serious applications for it, but you know, my team's like, oh, cool, can we write our blog post through ChatGPT now? <laughs> right. Right. It was like, but there's so there's so much more to the tool, right? Like it, it is, you know, it can write code, it can help you program yeah. things. It's not just about writing copy, um, but they maybe lost a little control of that narrative. Well, that's kind of the thing, like, so 
one of our biggest pain points, and I think any operator listening will agree, is scheduling. And so like we want to automate as many things as possible. And just with the complexities of like our markets, specifically in Miami, for example, it's not really just Miami. It's like sunny aisles down to the Grove, out to Miami Beach. And then, you know, it's just like a huge geographical area. You have all these different factors where people are coming from, et cetera. And so we were trying, we use Breezeway, which I love. And we could, there's, you know, some level of automation, but it's not like a hundred percent or even close to that, you know, automated. And I was talking to a friend of mine who works at Amazon and he is responsible for their like logistics and scheduling like at Amazon. So I was like, yo, what's the secret? And he's like, I have a team of PhDs trying to figure this out. So he's like, I'll let you know when we find, when we figure it out. And I'm hoping I'm like, that could be, I could see that being an application of that kind of tool where it's like, okay, take these 35 housekeepers. Here's where they live. You know what, you know, you have the Google traffic patterns that are coming in. Here's the schedule for the week. You put all the scheduling into Breezeway. Like that's how, that's like a real application that I would absolutely love to see. Um, And if Breezeway, if you figure that out, I would like royalties on that part of the project. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Breezeway, if you're listening, there's legal proof. You're listening. she is a witness. I'm a witness. I, it's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, there's sort of like this potentially like slightly myopic public sort of perspective on it. And then there is like the broader, I mean, and yeah, we, we actually had a great session led by the famous, now famous Jamie Lane, our VP of yes, research. Yes, yes was all about it, right? Like we were exactly that. We were like, okay, well, like what are the implications for product? What are the implications for research? What are the implications for marketing? Um, so it is it is exciting. And then I think, you know, we have to keep our eyes wide open, you know, no rose colored glasses. We're always going to need sure. humans. Humans are important too. <sighs> well, just well, think about all the time. Like if you, if like the time that you would spend doing very like mentally laborious tasks, Think about what you can do with that brain space now that you don't have to do that anymore. And so I think that that's the attitude to have. And when when people are freaking out about like AI, it's like there is so much stuff that has been going on for a long time that is frankly way cr- crazier than that. Like you, the that train has left the station. So it's <laughs> like you know the rob the robots are not coming for you tomorrow. Like let's just try to like rein that in. And like again, going back to like control what you can control it's like okay yeah maybe you can't control like the robot apocalypse in 100 years but you know you can leverage this really cool technology that's at your fingertips you know and use that to free up more time to be more creative to do things that you wouldn't have had the time to do otherwise you know absolutely yeah like any of these sort of repetitive you know like i'm going to say mundane but not to belittle them tasks that like, you know, actually aren't great for humans to do, right? That like where human error comes into play. Exactly. Um, with great use of a robot. And I love this. Yeah. Like it's kind of, I think the message here is like, right, the Airbnb train has left the station. The robot train has also left the station. And I often wonder if we're just going to manifest our own destiny on the robots because we've mm-hmm. created so many movies. And so it's like, exactly. <laughs> is, is life going to imitate art? Because it's just like, why did we put that out there into the universe? <laughs> <laughs> it's so thinking? funny. And I just, you know, it's, I think that there's, 
you know, it's very easy and to get caught up in, you know, the whirlwind, to get caught up in a news cycle, to get caught up in things that are touching on very real emotions. But I think you just have to like, in any situation, ratchet that back and like yep. focus on what's happening in your purview. Like what, especially if you're a business owner, like you can control and impact all the things in your little ecosystem. And that's what deserves the majority of your attention. Preach, sister. I love this. I love this. I call that um, for my team freedom and focus, right? Like, mm, there's oh, I like that. In focus versus trying to, again, boil the ocean. I've got all the anecdote or whatever they're called, the cliches. I'm in marketing. I apologize in advance for using. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Brandy. Well, I could talk to you all day and you know, I would if I could, but you've got a day job. So I'm told. Um, (laughs) You're doing amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Yes. Oh, good. Well, that's what I tried to tell everyone. I told Natalie, Natalie Palmer and I talked about this. It's not torture to be on my podcast. Um, so I'm glad. Thank you for reaffirming that for future guests yeah. and for the audience. Yeah. You know, it's like I I find it. It's so funny because I like if you had told me three years ago that I would be regularly doing podcasts, I was like, you are out of your mind. Like, what do I have to say? And I think one like quick thing before we go that I find just kind of hilarious is that I have now found like a niche for myself of talking about a technology transitions and tech. I was like, how did that happen? I'm like, I guess I just did it enough times and probably complained about it enough that now, that now I'm the person. <laughs> yeah. Again, you kind of fall into these things. I mean, I always jokingly tell people I, I was voted most likely to have my own talk show when I was in middle school. So I'm well, just perfect. Thinking, yeah. I, this, this was my destiny. Well, I, I'm not going to torture you for much longer, but I do want to play a fun game with you. Are you down? Sure. Play a I'm down. Before I, before I get yes. rid of you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's who, what, and where. So the first okay. question, friend, is besides your amazing self, who would you recommend people listen to, read, get advice from on life, on business, on the end? We'll make it broad. Who, who should people sure. be talking I have two. I have a. T- I'm going to cheat and do two answers for if Allow- that's okay. Am I allowed? Allowed. Okay. Um. So my first for like if you're like super busy, you just need your daily dose of like something going on in the world. The Wall Street Journal, the Journal podcast, everything is like 15 to 20 minutes. It's one story. It's just kind of like you're going to get some information, usually really interesting, and you know you can fit that in whenever. And then my like all-time favorite podcast, and don't tell my co-host I said that, is Armchair Expert. Um, also not a hot take, but just really like interesting interviews. And then kind of sometimes I walk away from that like thinking about things a bit differently um, and thinking about my world a little bit differently. So those are my two recommendations. It's so funny you mentioned that because, yeah, Dax and his lovely co-host, which I'm calling Miniature mm-hmm. Mouse right now because I can't remember her actual name. Monica. Monica, thank you. Sorry, Monica, if you're listening, you probably aren't. But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know what? A lot of those episodes have stuck with me. Absolutely. Where mm-hmm. I still kind of replay some of them in my mind. And I'm like, you're right. That, that is a great one. I love those two. All right. Well, I'm going to give you an A plus for that answer. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. The next question is what? And it is, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? about, I guess, probably our business (laughs) or anything. (laughs) Yeah. I, 
and this kind of goes back to like the ego check things. I think like I wish that I had not tied so much into the quote prestige of other businesses. I was really, really hard on myself and um, didn't really value what I was doing at the time because I didn't think that this was a real industry because I didn't really know. And I wish I could go back and just have a little bit more confidence in the choices that I was making and um, not put so much stock into like the superficial kind of like vanity jobs, you know? Mm, that is great advice. Great advice. Any Zoomers listening right now, this is the advice, my friends. 100%. Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. You get too caught up in that and, and, and sort of this prestige as being part of your identity. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, all right. You got another A plus. And then you, I promise you there's only one more. This is a fun one. Let's hop in our hot tub time machine because we're in the STR business. So it has to be a hot mm-hmm. tub. But let's talk about where, what you would have invested in if you could hop in your hot tub time machine. What would you have done? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not super sexy, but I would have invested in Regeneron. Um, they're you know a pharmaceutical manufacturer, and they've done very well recently. And uh, yeah, I my brother in law works for them, and he was like, "Yeah, my my like my all my investments in the company are doing super well." I'm like, "I wish I had known about that. I would have definitely put some more money in there." Now things are pretty expensive. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, the stock market is one of those things where like I think I think we're holding. I think my family somehow is holding on to something. I, it probably isn't worth anything anymore. But like some AT and T stock or something, and like you know my family. Oh, yeah. 1915. So I just love that, like, at some point she was like, <laughs> right? Well, that's awesome. like, I, it's funny, those businesses that have been around for so long, and then you see, unfortunately, like their sunsetting arc is happening. You're yeah. like, I guess that would be if you had any of that, the hot tub time machine would be go back and sell at like the zenith of all of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look at that stock portfolio. It'd be fun to look at it over like a 100 year period. I, well, I like that you went this way. What what the heck is Regeneron? What is this? Yeah, it's a, a pharmaceutical company. They make like vaccines and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not super sexy. Another one is like Thermo Fisher. They make like medical equipment. Um, so I probably would have invested in that before the pandemic. <laughs> oh my God, 100%. No, this is all making a lot. This is, I'm tracking now. This is all making a lot of sense. Yeah. The cliche would have been like, I wish I had invested in Apple. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Right. 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 Like, don't we all? Um, But now we all. This is all right. Well, I love these pro tips from Brandon, COO of Romy. Oh, (laughs) woman, you are killing it. I have had so much fun talking to you. I'd like to do this. Thank you so much. Sure. You know what? Yeah. Whenever. Yeah. You'll come back. Oh my goodness. Again, rave reviews, folks, rave reviews. You People will even come back <laughs> and talk to you again. Um, that does mean a lot to me. But I know we've, we've been plugging Good Morning Hospitality. Will, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anywhere else folks should go to hear more from you? How, how do people get in touch if they want it? Sure. So I LinkedIn, apparently that's a, a thing I've committed to now. Um, <laughs> it's funny, my LinkedIn like requirements have skyrocketed. Uh, but yes, I'm always happy to talk to people, um, send me a message. If you tune in on Good Morning Hospitality, we do it live on Mondays. So if you put in a question, we now have a hotline also you can call and ask a question. Um, so we like to interact with people. So if you'd want to be on air and get you know 10 seconds of fame, 
uh, you're welcome to do that too. Ooh, that's a good one. I love that. Well, we'll definitely put all of that in the show notes. Um, and now I got to think of a good question for Good Morning Hospitality. Challenge accepted. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I know Will Will wanted to have a like the the voicemail hotline, and I was like, we got like let's let I'm I'm interested to see what kind of shenanigans come on that. But I think actually so far people have submitted some good questions, so I'm excited. Oh well, wait, a, yeah, okay, everyone's being mature. I like that. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah, Be mature. Well, question. I also kind of ho- I hope that some people aren't very much. Ma- like I want to know what like the blo- I want a blooper reel. You know. Yes. Oh my God. Absolutely. What did NPR did that fun one where it was like, if you were up in the middle of the night, you could call a hotline and just say what was on your mind, why, why you couldn't sleep. Oh, that's so funny. Why you couldn't sleep. <laughs> Deep stress about my job. Um. <laughs> yeah, generally, right? Like, there's nothing to be stressed out about. I don't know what you're talking about. No, nothing at all. <laughs> All right, Brandy. Well, I will let you get back to your day job. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for stepping yeah. in. The lab. Thank you for having me. 